What's up, bitches? There this is Morgan. And what's up, bitches? This is Sierra. And this is, is Bitches, bitches and, and Murders. <laughs> Ready to fuck up your whole day? Part, what, 29 now? <laughs> Whatever. Morgan's way too excited, and you I all know what that means. really excited, which means y'all should not be. <laughs> I'm ready. I have a blankie. I have peppermint schnapps hot cocoa. I have my blankie. I have my sip sips, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, We're not sponsored by peppermint schnapps. I just wanted you guys to know what I'm drinking. Yeah, I got some peppermint schnapps. I got some butter shots. Just drinking straight out of the bottle. Uh, I am mentally prepared for this episode. I 10 out of 10 recommend putting peppermint schnapps in your hot cocoa because mm, this is good. Yeah, that's fire. I'm, I'm really glad we decided to do that. Oh, man. So this episode is going to be a two-parter. Um, and it's not going to be a two-parter like our last one where it was like, we'll tell you the whole story and then we'll tell you more shit. No, this bitch is going to leave you on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, holy Jesus fucking Christ on a cracker. <laughs> I am at 14 pages of notes, and I haven't even hit, like, the investigation yet. So, you know, two parts, just so y'all don't have to listen to six hours of me talking about this case. Anyways. I'm not ready, but let's do it. Today, we're talking about... Oh, this, this is a name. I can say all of these names, though, so it's fine. Okay. Frederick. Frederick? Can no, I you? can't. I'm already done. <laughs> can you say all of these names? Frederick, Walter, Stephen West, Bless and <laughs> Rosemary Pauline West. Yes, there is two of them. Today, we are talking about partners. Relationship goals. Relationship goals. It won't be. You'll if see that later, but you know. You know what? If you can't murder together, are you really in love? You know, that's a valid point, honestly. Um, So this is baby boy time. We're going to talk about when he was a baby little baby boy. boy. Oh, dear. So he was born September 29th of 1941 at Bickerton College in Herefordshire, England. He was the first surviving child born to Walter Stephen West and Daisy Hannah Hill. So, okay, so what I could get from it is there wasn't, like, a clear list of all of his siblings that mm -hmm. I could find. But, like, I think there was one child who didn't survive, then him, and then his siblings. And at some other point, one of his younger siblings also passed away. Because they ended up having eight children, but only six of them survived. It's not super important, but just for... I'm you know. trying so hard not to make a musical reference, so I just need you to scoot on past. So his family <laughs> was super, super poor. Um, they, like, worked on a farm. They actually were, like, super close, though. And, like, his dad... So they were, like, a super close family, obviously, probably because they were just poor and they didn't have a lot of money to, like, do things. Mm -hmm. um, so they hung out a lot. Um, his dad was super strict, though, and his mother was, like, really, really overprotective. And I think that's because they had lost, like, children. Right. So they were, like really holding on to the ones they had. So in 1946, the family moved to a place called Moorcourt Farm. So it's like a big farm, basically. And they hired them, and then they, they lived in a cottage on the farm. Okay. And, like, his dad would, like, help them with the harvest, and he would, like, help them with the cows and all that stuff. Um, so this cottage, like, it, this didn't mean they, like, moved up in the world at all. Like, it was super small. It only had one fireplace, no electricity, no heat. Like, nothing. Like, it was just a fucking 
tiny ass shack. So when shit hit the fan. Oh, it. Because mm, you're you're not brewing a serial killer cocktail yet. Oh, we will. Okay. Oh, we will. We just oh, gotta sprinkle okay. in sprinkle in some of the ingredients first. Uh, so. By 1951, his mother had birthed eight children, like I said, of mm-hmm. which six survived. But Fred was her favorite. Like, absolutely her favorite. Probably because he was the firstborn. Okay. First surviving born. Um, so he mostly hung out with his mother and his siblings. Like I said, they were all, like, busy with chores and farm tasks and hunting to provide for the family. All that jazz. Um, so, like, they were definitely taught that, like, hard work, solid work ethic. Cool. Mm-hmm. This didn't mean they were honest, though. Mm. So Fred started stealing things when he was, like, super young. And this would, like, continue his whole life. Um, His classmates didn't like him at all. Um, They thought that he was dirty. um, Which, to be fair, was not his fault. Like, he was super poor. Like, it's not his fault that his clothes were, like, run down. Um, But he also was a troublemaker, and they also thought he was dumb as rocks. Oh, dear. Which, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. I'm not seeing a lot of signs of intelligent life anywhere throughout this whole story. So uh, I don't think I literally wrote the next sentences. They weren't far off about that. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Yeah, he didn't. He never learned to read. um, Didn't do his schoolwork. um, You know, they did say he showed an aptitude for art and woodworking. So he was like good with his hands and he was like expressive, but he was just not book smart. Okay. So he left school by 15 in December of 1956, and then he started working with his dad, like, on the farm. So we're already getting into some crazy shit. Okay. Oh, no. So Fred claims that his mother began to molest him at age 12. Oh, I hate it. And then he also stated that, like, right around this time in, like, his early teens, he started to begin acts of bestiality mm. on, like, the farm animals. He also claimed that he thought incense, incest was normal because his father would also, like, rape his sisters. However, his brother Doug later said all of that was complete bullshit and none of that happened at all. Uh, so. <sighs> what? Eh? Eh? You said a lot of things just now and I'm not a fan of any of them. It kind of seems like no one really knows Fantastic. besides like the siblings, like the siblings know, but also like, obviously he became very famous like this. You'll see it later. Like this is a super big case. So like I could see his brother being like, oh yeah, like nothing happened. You know what I mean? Like trying to keep up an image. Right. Uh, but also, you know, uh, like it's hard to say. So take, take that as you will. So now we're getting into teen time. Teen time. Teen time oh. with Four E's. <laughs> so, 1957. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before I get into this, I'm sorry in advance. There is going to be a lot of names. There is a lot of players here. So, like, if you are confused, I'm sure everyone else is confused. So, like, please ask me for clarification because there's a lot. And I'll try to, like, recap periodically so we, like, know what's going on. Okay. Okay. 1957. Fred and his younger brother, John, they start, okay, so, like, in a nearby town of Ledbury, there was, like, this club, and it was, like, for, like, teens. Mm -hmm. So, like, they could hang out. Like, there wasn't really, like, a lot of drinking or anything. It was mostly just, like, dancing, like, a cool place to hang out sort of a thing. So, they started going to that club, like, a lot. So, a lot of the girls there didn't really like him because he sounded like a country bumpkin. Like, you know, he obviously wasn't very educated, 
Um, but that did, that did not stop him from constantly hitting on them, constantly annoying them. He even free, freely admitted, even back then, that he saw women as objects that could be used as he wanted, and he would regularly sexually harass and grope women. Cool, I fucking hate it. And later, <laughs> this part just made me laugh, so I had to put it in there. It's not really important, but I thought it was funny. Oh, no. Uh, later testimonies basically like established from like these girls that they talked to and stuff that like if a girl did decide to have sex for <laughs> with him for some reason, it would be terrible. Because all he <sighs> cared about was like getting off and didn't care about the girls at all. So, <sighs> Men. who's fucking surprised? <laughs> Men of the world, please take these words to heart. It takes two to tango. It's not just about you. Okay? I don't care about the size of the boat or the motion of the ocean. What's important is that the captain stays in port until all of the passengers have gotten off. You hear me? Amen to fucking that, dude. <laughs> and that's going to be a reoccurring theme. Let me tell you. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, 17th birthday. Well, two months after his 17th birthday. So, we're talking 1958 here. Okay. Fred crashes his motorcycle that he had just purchased and broke his skull, his <laughs> arm, and, like, he ended up, like, it was, like, bad. Like, he was, like, in a straight, like, neck brace and arm brace for, like, months and months and months after this. So what you're telling me is that we have sexual deviance and a traumatic brain injury. Yes, there's exactly what I'm saying. There's that serial killer cocktail. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he actually, it was so bad, like, he was in a coma for, like, a week. Oh, after it happened like it was like very serious um and this like caused him to have like a major phobia of like hospitals and like doctors and i literally wrote who's fucking surprised but he developed anger issues wow i'm so shocked it's can you tell like by the tone of my voice that i'm impulse shooken. control weird that's in your frontal lobe strange how crazy will do that to you <laughs> Um, so in 1960, oh, you're going to fucking love this. This is no, no exaggeration. This is the best part of the whole story. Okay. No, I lied. This is the second best part of the story. 1960, he ends up getting another head injury. (laughs) You want to know how? Tell me. So he was at that club that I told you about. Okay. On the fire escape. Mm -hmm. He sees this girl. He's like, oh, I like the girl. He tries to hit on her. He mm-hmm. tries to grab her. She punches him in the fucking face and he falls two stories off of the fire escape. I don't know her name, but she's a fucking queen. I wrote, she's my fucking hero. How do I meet her? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine finding out later? Like, wait, okay. So say, you know, that crazy shit happens to you. Some guy tries to grab you. You punch him. He falls two stories. You're like, holy shit. That was really wild. She, I'm sure she probably told that story over and over again for years and years. And then imagine, because he doesn't get caught for like 40 years after this. Right. Imagine 40 years in the future, if she's still alive, finding out that the man you punched off of a fire escape was a fucking serial killer. I'd use that as my claim to fame. I'd be like, hey, you know that crazy serial killer? Yeah, I fucking punched Way him. Way back in the day, I fucking punched him I'm in probably the, the reason he is a serial killer. And made I f- him fall two stories. I fucking gave him another head injury. You're welcome. June 1961. And I wrote, wow, you aren't ready. Fuck this shithead. Oh, no. 
So June of 1961, his 13-year-old sister, Kitty, told his mother that he had been sexually assaulting her since December and had gotten her pregnant. No, thank you. So he got immediately arrested uh, because they, like, reported it to the cops. And he freely admitted to the cops that he had been sexually assaulting girls for years and years and years, saying... Doesn't everybody do it? Mm. Mm-mm. Word for word. Also, everything I say that he says or like Rosemary says are like direct quotes. No. Because I'll, g- I'll get into later how I have all these direct quotes. Because uh, there's like a super dope book I'm going to recommend to you guys later. Anyways. Um, so he was trivi- tri- trivied. <laughs> I don't even know what word I was trying try to try s- that again. He was tried November 9th in Herefordshire. Um, but Kitty, like, refused to testify. I mean, she was only, four, like, 13. Right. 13, 14, depending on the... I don't know what her birthday is. Um, so, like, obviously the case fell apart because she didn't want to testify. And his mother was going to testify for him. In Wait. his defense. But, like, she didn't approve. But for some reason, she was going to do it anyway. Um, but after this, like, after the case fell apart, like, they just banished him. Like, they disowned him. They were like, get the fuck out of our house. We never want to see you again. Okay. So he moves in with his Aunt Violet nearby in, um, oh, God, I hate the name of this town. And it's not even hard to say. It just sounds kind of dumb. I'm <laughs> so sorry, England. It's a dumb name. What is it? Much Markle. <laughs> That's it. Why does that exist? What? Yeah, that's a real that's a real thing. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it too. Sorry, England. Uh, so in nineteen sixty two, this is like the year after that, um, Fred had actually reconciled with his parents, but he never like his siblings were like, fuck this dude till the end of time. Like he never was friends again with his siblings, but he ended up like making it up with like his parents. Not that that really matters, but you know, fuck his parents too. Seriously, though. All right. Marriage boy. Marriage <laughs> boy. What? I should never do these notes at work again, apparently. Yeah. What is wrong <laughs> with you? Okay. So 1960. We're backing up a little bit here. Back, back, back it up. So in 1960, Fred meets Catherine Costello at a like a dance hall. Uh, so like, like Abbott and Costello? Yeah. Like that. But. We're going to call her Rena because that's what she went by. Okay. So he meets Rena at a dance hall. Um, She was originally from Coatbridge, Lanarkshire, which is in England. Mm -hmm. Or not in England, in Scotland, I mean. Um, And so they dated for a few months and then she moved back to Scotland. So then all that stuff with his sister happened after she moved back to Scotland. Okay. That's why Lily like scoot scooted back a little bit. Gotcha. So yeah. So they dated. She leaves to go back home. All that shit happens. And then she comes back. In September of 1962. So she moves back. They reconnected. They start dating. They're like get engaged. So when she was in Scotland, she got pregnant by an Asian bus driver in Glasgow. Um, And her family was like, fuck that shit. Because it was the 1960s and they were racist as shit. And they were like, yeah, no, we don't. We don't fuck with kids out of wedlock and we don't fuck with Asian people unfortunately 
Um, so that's actually why she came back to England because she was like trying to like escape her family and like her family's like protestations of what she did. Fair. So November 17th of 1962, they end up getting married in Ledbury. And the only guest to their marriage was his younger brother, John, mm-hmm. which is a little sad because at this point he wasn't that shitty. I mean, he gets it sounds like I'm I'm excusing things. But when you see what he does later, you're like, oh, yeah, he wasn't bad at this point. <laughs> oh, dear. Which I hate to say. Um, so originally they lived with his aunt Violet, um, but they ended up moving to Coatbridge where she's from originally. OK. And Fred got a job as an ice cream van driver. <laughs> Okay. I wrote, wow, she has a thing for drivers, apparently. (laughs) I wasn't ready. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, um, she had her daughter in March of 1963, and they named her Charmaine. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the name either. I don't like that name. So, they hid, like, the whole scandal of her, like, not being Fred's daughter and her being, like, not white um because they they told her that or they told basically everybody that rena had a miscarriage and then they ended up adopting so and they were like in a new city well it wasn't new to her but it was new to him and like a lot of people didn't know them that well so like you know they pulled it off and around this time they also relocated to savoy street in the bridgeton district of glasgow so they were like New city, people don't know us. We're right. just gonna lie, say that she's adopted. Cool. July 1964. Rena and Fred have their own daughter, Anna Marie, who was born right at their house because fuck hospitals, I suppose. <laughs> um, so their their nanny at the time, which was a lady named Issa McNeil said that Rena was a good mom, like, she was struggling a little bit to take care of two kids, basically, on her own, but, like, she was a good mom. Like, she cared about her kids. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how much that was the truth later <laughs> on, but Dude. when they were born, she liked them. <laughs> that makes me so uncomfortable. So, uh, Fred was super shitty to them from the beginning, though. He literally would keep them held captive in a cage when he was home. Uh, and Rena was only allowed to take them out of the cage when he was at work. I'm sorry. Do you want to run that by me a fucking again? So you know what he did? He took a metal bunk bed, put them in the bottom bunk, and welded metal bars. Like, in places where bars are not on the bunk bed to, like, basically make a cage. To, like, keep them captive. Um... And you know what? Honestly, this is the best point of these children's lives. What? Like, this was great. Like, if we could just go back to the cage thing and not do all of the other things that are to come, like, they would have probably gotten off okay. I didn't think I needed to say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, Guys, if you're not ready to have kids, give them up for adoption. Don't lock them in a fucking cage. That's not the solution, folks. On the plus side, the best part of the story is right now. No. I'm so sorry. No. (laughs) You dirty whore. You'll enjoy this. You'll genuinely enjoy this because I I genuinely enjoy this. Will I? But I might be a little bit sadistic. I finished my boozy hot chocolate, so we'll see how this goes. 
So Fred admitted to having many affairs while he was married to Rena, and he even fathered a child with another woman. But he never, like, claimed that child. Like, that child just, like, thank God. That child, who knows what the fuck happened to that child, but I'm sure it was not as bad as being involved with Fred. That child grew up fine and well-adjusted. Exactly. So Rena found out about this, and she was like, fuck it, I'm going to have my own affair. So she meets this man named John McLaughlin. And so, like, they're hitting it off. They're having a good time. But Fred, like, catches them together. Like, literally catches them, like, mid-embrace. And so he, like, attacks Rena and, like, punches her. And then McLaughlin punches him. And then he pulls out a knife and, like, cuts McLaughlin, Mm -hmm. who punches him again. And after the second punch, this little bitch boy, I swear to God, was like, oh, never mind. Like, I don't want to fight. This man had a knife, and he got punched two times, and okay. he just gave up. Oh, this isn't even the good part. Apparently, but this is just going to be the episode of, like, PSAs from Sierra. But, uh, never pick a fight with a fucking Scottish man. Ever. <laughs> you will lose. <laughs> like, you know you have to be a bitch when you're the one with the knife, and then you <laughs> still quit the fight. And you're still like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm tapping out. <laughs> So uh, it just gets better, though. Um, So after this happens, um, like, so this happened, whatever, the whole situation, you know, ends. Um, But Rena didn't stop seeing John McLaughlin. Like, she's still (laughs) seeing him this whole time. (laughs) So she's still seeing him this whole time. Okay. And uh, so Fred didn't stop beating her. So, like, she would come to, like, go hang out with John and, like, have like black eyes and bruises and like injuries and every time she would come to john with like a new injury john would go hunt down fred and beat the fuck out of him (laughs) bless you john you the real mvp and then one time john saw fred literally punch charmaine in the head who was a toddler she was like two because she asked for ice cream and then he beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that because it, it's all downhill from here. I, But I did get joy out of that. I want this entire episode to be about John. I don't want to talk about Fred anymore. So November 4th, <laughs> Good talk. 1965, Fred acts accidentally... I don't know if this was a genuine accident or not. Um, accidentally ran over and killed a young boy in Glasgow with his ice cream van. What? Which I could see that being an accident. Like, I'm assuming the kid, like, ran out into the road or something. And he, like, just couldn't stop in time. Because um, he was he was cleared by police. And, like, people, there was, like, plenty of witnesses. So, like, if he would have done it on purpose, I feel like he probably would have, like, like, the witnesses would have been, like, yeah, he just ran that boy over on purpose. You know what I mean? so eh, i'm fine eh, i'm unsure on that um so he was cleared by police but he was really afraid of like the locals coming after him so they decided to move yeah well uh don't fucking run over children and then you don't have to worry about the locals getting fucking mad at you yeah uh you know solid advice uh so december of 1965 they moved to God, I even looked up how to say this, and I still, I know I'm going to say it wrong. Gloucester. Gloucester? Gloucester. 
Okay. I was like, yeah, I didn't remember that. Gloucester. Gloucester. Okay. I don't know why I closed my phone. I needed those notes. Gloucester. Gloucester. So they moved down to Gloucester. Um, what is that? I don't know. It was in England. That wasn't even an English accent. Whatever. They moved to Gloucester. With um, So it was like him, Rena, Charmaine, Anna Marie. They all move into a... So they called their like mobile homes caravans? Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not even what a fucking caravan is, but go off. Um, so they rented a, a caravan, which is what I'm going to call them throughout the whole thing. Whatever. Um, at the Timberland Caravan Park in Bishop's Cleave. So, like, right away, he found a job working as a taxi driver for, like, a local company. Um, so, you know, things are things are going good for two months. Oh, I lied. Sorry, I got that mistaken. So, he moved. It was him and the two daughters. And okay. then Rena comes two months later. So, two months later, February of 1966, Rena joins the family. And she brings with her Issa McNeil, the nanny. And she brings the neighbor's daughter, Anna McFall. So, like, they had become friends, like, a couple years previously because, like, Anne's boyfriend, like, died in a workplace accident and she was, like, really sad and, mm-hmm. like, depressed. She was only, like, 16 when that happened. Oof. So, yeah, she was, like, super upset. So, like, she became good friends with Rena and they became close. So, when they moved to Gloucester, she came with them. Mm-hmm. That becomes important later. So, early 1966, Fred begins to dominate all three women. Like, not just Rena. So he became incredibly violent and, like, it was usually taken out on Rena and Issa the most. He also began to physically and sexually assault Charmaine around this time. Well, clearly he had already kind of physically assaulted her a couple of times, but this is, like, when it became, like, regular. He also told Rena she should become a prostitute to help support their family. Uh, That comes into play quite a bit later on. So... Rena dials up McLaughlin, my boy, and she was like, bro, this shit sucks. And he was like, damn right it fucking sucks, you dumb bitch. Like, I'm going to come get you. (laughs) So he, like, they make a plan. And so John McLaughlin and Issa's boyfriend, whose name is also John, but he's not important, so we're not going to talk about him anymore. But John Trotter. Okay. Because I don't want to get confused with all the Johns. That's fair. So John and Issa's boyfriend... I wrote the Johnny Boys. <laughs> so the Johnny Boys drive to Bishop's Cleave secretly. Like this was all down low. Yeah. Like obviously, you know, she's leaving an abusive household. They're trying to do it like real low key. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to drive. They were supposed to drive there secretly, pick up the girls, and then take them back to like Scotland. Mm-hmm. So McFall wasn't involved because by this point, somehow this dumb bitch fell in love with Fred. Like actually in love with. Like, just straight, like, she was like, I want to be with him. That's what we call Stockholm Syndrome. And so Mm -hmm. she actually told Fred about the plan. Because they were trying to get her out of there, too. And she just straight told Fred about what was happening. So when they get to the meeting spot, Fred is already there. Like, waiting for them. (sighs) So, like, you know, there's an altercation. Like, he tries to grab the girls. McLaughlin punches him. And then, like, it's a whole big thing. And the police were, like, called, obviously. Um, and because of, like, the police and just everything that was happening in the time, mm-hmm. the police let Fred take his kids. And, like, he fucked off. And then Rena and Issa went back with the Johnny boys to Scotland. 
And then also at this point, Fred told Rena that he would kill her if he ever saw her again. Oh, good. I'm not going to lie. I'm making... Rena is definitely a victim. Um, I kind of hate her, though. Like, you'll see why, but, like, she already has not had a super great track record. Like, she knew this dude was physically abusing her. Like, didn't even try to get her kids or custody. Like, she straight left her boyfriend to come move in with him in England, even though she knew he was shitty and abusive. Right. Like, and it gets worse. So, Rena obviously wanted to make sure her daughters were okay, so she would frequently go to England to see them. Because apparently... Fred didn't actually mean he was going to kill her <laughs> at that point. So she originally was friends with McFall, like the girl who's like in love with him now. Mm-hmm. But then like they fell apart real fast because like McFall wanted to be like the mom to the girls and all this stuff and wanted Fred for herself. And Rena was like, you dumb bitch, like stop <laughs> it. Um. So October 11th of 1966, this gets a little weird. So Rena was super mad at Fred for who fucking knows this time. And she stole some of his stuff and then, like, went back to Glasgow. And then she ended up being arrested, like, a month later. And she was brought back to Gloucester for, like, trial. So, November of 29th. November of 29th. November 29th of 1966 was what I was trying to say. I also have a severe concussion, guys. Did I mention that? Uh I'm literally waiting on CT results to see if I have a brain bleed. So, like, (laughs) words are not my thing right now, but it's fine. So, she was sentenced to three years probation. At the trial, Fred testified that he and McFall were living together, but he lied and said that McFall was planning to move out and all this jazz. Um, And after the trial, she did move out, but, like, he said she was moving back to Scotland, and she moved, like, two trailers over. (sighs) Don't you mean two caravans over? I do, actually. (laughs) That's what I wrote. Moved into her own caravan at the same park. And then Rena... This bitch. <laughs> this bitch. Began to alternate living in Glasgow and then living with Fred. She would like bounce back and forth between the two. So 1966 to 1967-ish, like just this time period, um, McFall would consistently like send letters back home saying like how much she wanted to be with Fred, how her life with Fred would be better than her life in Scotland, like how she wanted him to divorce his wife and marry her, all that jazz. Okay. So now we're getting into the the murders that aren't really the murders. I forgot that we hadn't even touched on that yet. Oh, this is like the murders that don't matter. I mean, they matter, but like they don't have anything to do with the serial killing at all. Oh, dear. So we got a couple of those to make our way through <laughs> before we get to anything remotely serial killing. Oh, dear. Because you have to think he hasn't even met Rosemary yet. Like oh they're a serial killing couple. He hasn't even met that bitch yet. Oh my god. Uh. So July of nineteen sixty seven, Anne McFall, who is now eighteen, and eight months pregnant with Fred's child, mm, hate it. Went missing. Of course she did. Uh, but she was never actually reported missing. Like no one actually ever reported her missing. But her dismembered body was found buried at the edge of a cornfield around Muchmarkle in June of 1994. Oh, good. So she wasn't found for, like, 30 years. It was, it was quite a while. Um, so her limbs had been carefully taken apart at the joints, and most of her fingers were missing. And her unborn child had also been cut from her womb. 
Mm, hate it. Fred originally said that this wasn't him, mm-hmm. but later after being arrested, he admitted that he stabbed her to death in an argument, and then he like just didn't know what to do with the body, so he he didn't know what to do with the body. Says so the person who dismembered her at the joint and took her. all of her fingers. Yeah. Um. So. And this was definitely a lie because like when they found her like she still had like restraints tied around her wrist so like clearly he didn't just accidentally stab her in a fit of passion like she was physically restrained for at least a while before she died yeah so we're not really sure exactly like what happened to her uh we just know that what he said was not the truth um so about a month after the disappearance rena moved back in with fred and they relocated to Lake House Caravan Park. So the relationship got better for a little bit. Better. I know it looks so heavy on the fucking quotation marks in this episode. Um, but again, in 1969, she left him with the girls. Who's surprised? And because Fred had no female at this point to watch after the kids, he just gave them the Gloucester social services. He's just like, oh, yeah, um, I'm not going to raise these bitches. So, like, you can have them. Probably the best thing he could have ever done for those kids. Oh, yeah, that's not the end. Oh, no. But that was probably a great time in their lives. Probably a really good time for a little bit. Um, So now we're going to pause that story. Pause it. We don't care about that right now. We're going to talk about Rosemary Letts. We're, we're finally introducing her. I'm sorry. What's her last name? Let's. L-E-T-T-S. Let's not. <laughs> I was waiting for that joke and I was really hoping you'd make it. <laughs> Glad I could come through for you. All right. She was born November 29th of 1953. So she's 12 years younger than him. In Northam, Devon, which is also in England. Um, she was born to William Andrew Letts and Daisy Gwendolyn Fuller. It's weird to me that they both had mothers named Daisy. It's kind of a weird coincidence. <laughs> um, it was a super challenging pregnancy. Um, her mother was actually super depressed while pregnant, and they gave her electric shock therapy. What? While pregnant. Which they thought might have been some of the reasons that, like, Rosemary had the issues that she did later on. Yeah. Uh... Electroshock therapy is not a treatment for prepartum depression. So she was a super moody teenager. Um, Gee, I wonder why. She often spent time daydreaming rather than like paying attention in school, which meant she didn't like really get good grades. Um, Her parents also split when she was a teenager and she would like bounce back and forth between the houses. Mm -hmm. Um, Her dad was a paranoid schizophrenic, like straight, like actually diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, good. And he was not only prone to violence, but also sexually abused her and her older sister, Patricia. But uh, don't feel fucking sorry for her because here we fucking go, my dude. (sighs) Okay. Around age 13, when she hit puberty, she became weirdly obsessed with her, like, new developing body. Mm. And she would walk around the house naked, or, like, mostly naked, in front of her younger brothers on purpose. On purpose. And then around this time, a little bit, like, a little bit after this, 
she started just like straight sneaking into her younger brother's rooms at night and raping her 12 year old or her nine year old and her like six year old brother. You said words and I need you to unsay the words because I don't I don't want those words to exist anymore. Graham and Graham and Gordon didn't have it great, but but they only had to deal with her doing that for like two years. So like not good, but they got out of that situation pretty fast, at least. And like they didn't really ever spend time with her ever again after she leaves because she leaves at like 15. We'll get into that in a second. So fuck all of that. But I hope they're doing good. All right, we'll we'll touch on more on this later. Okay. Now we're going to introduce the characters. They're going to they're going to meet. They're meet. Let's not. This is where they meet. No. 1969. No. Early 1969. <laughs> no. Uh so Oh, God, you're going to hate this fucking... I don't even need to look at the notes to tell this story. I know this story by heart. Oh, no. Okay. I'm so scared. Can I make tea? Yes. Okay. I'll allow it. (laughs) Okay. I have my tea. Okay. I'm ready. Set in the scene. Oh, dear. Bus stop in Chettleham. That means nothing. It's just a bus stop. They're at a bus stop. Okay. Okay. Um, So, Rosemary Letts, who is 15... Mind you, one five years old. She's chilling at the bus stop, waiting to take a bus to her work. Mm -hmm. She worked at a bread shop. So he sees her and he was like, oh, I like her. And she goes, no, you look homeless and gross. Fuck off. So great. Good. Good first impressions we're making. Uh, But yeah, she was like, yeah, you look homeless and disgusting. Like, get the fuck away from me. So what I'm hearing is that she's Finn. (laughs) <laughs> she makes biscuits she makes lots of biscuits <laughs> <laughs> and she wants attention but not from him exactly but fred showed up every single day to her bus stop to like flatter her with attention and tell her how pretty she was blah 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 and so he asked her out twice and she said no um, but she did allow him to walk her home and during this walk, he found out that she never had a boyfriend, but she was, like, super promiscuous. So that's always great in a 15-year-old. Um, and then he told her, like, you know, he'd been abandoned by his wife, and he, like, wanted more children, but, like, he couldn't even have the children he did have because, like, he left with his wife, and there's no one to take care of him, blah, blah, blah. Don't you feel so sorry for him? No. So, oh, it gets worse. So he found out that she worked in this bread shop nearby. So he began to just wait outside of her work. So one day he brought her like a little gift and he convinced a random lady to like go bring it inside the shop and be like, hey, this guy told me to give this to you. So like after that happens, he goes in the shop and she's like, oh, thank you for the gift. And he's like, will you go out with me? And she says, yes. So after this, they actually like really quickly got into a full relationship and she like would frequently come to his caravan. Um, He ended up getting his kids back and she would like watch him, like not watch him, watch them. (laughs) Um, Like when they first got together, she was super loving to the children. Like they would all go on family trips and have a good time. Mm -hmm. After a few weeks of dating, Rosemary quit her job and she became like a full time nanny to the girls. 
and but she had the agreement that fed fred would pay her for this like it wasn't purely just like i'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart like fred was supposed to pay her and then he would like because she needed to send the money back to her parents to be like look i'm working i'm doing things after a few more months she introduces fred to her family who fucking hated him they were like what the fuck are you doing because okay also he's 28 at this point she's 15 he is 28 years old no business yeah she they're like what the fuck are you doing both of you are fucking stupid and gross and stop it um they also thought he was a pathological liar and they were like straight up like we're gonna call social services if you keep trying to fuck this guy so uh like i said like obviously i'm yeah i'm I'm gonna I'm a do another PSA. <laughs> if there is more, like if there is a 10 plus year difference between you and your significant other, and one of them is under the age of 24, y'all have no business being in that relationship because one of you is a fucking child. It's, I'm 24 and I'm still kind of a fucking child. Like, like it's, it's a tinier difference only is okay if you were like over the age of 30. Because even in your 20s, like that's still like a really like tumultuous time in your life. Like lots of things are changing. Yeah. And like once you're like 30 and up, like your life is pretty like established. You know, like, you know, like you kind of probably have your career or like your job. Like you kind of know who you are, what you want, whatever. Right. At that point, like a 30 year old dating a 40 year old, bet. Do it. Go for it. Who cares? However, you pedophiles, uh, a 15-year-old has a hell of a lot to learn by the time they get to 28. Like, those are very important years. Stop it. (laughs) I digress. (laughs) I have a hard time, like, I care about this a lot, but also... Dude, fuck this bitch so hard. Like, I don't even care. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even care. I don't, I don't care that her dad abused her. I don't give a fuck. And you'll see, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. Daddy issues does not excuse being a literal fucking idiot. Oh, oh, oh man. Okay. So they did exactly what they said they would. And they called fucking social services on them and were like, hey, our 15 year old is dating a grown man. And they also told them, because they heard a rumor that she had, like, begun to work as a prostitute out of his trailer. Mm-hmm. So, like, they told social services that as well. They were like, we think she might be working as a prostitute. Either way, she's dating a fucking super old guy. Like, not into it. Like, please do something. She doesn't mean that people close to your 30s, you're not super old. You're fine. Yeah. I Unless mean, okay. you're dating a 15-year-old and then you're old. Exactly. <laughs> 15 <laughs> to 20, she, he is super old to her. Yeah. Not in general, but to her, he is. So she ended up getting taken by social services and placed in a home for troubled teens in August of 1969 in Chettleham. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, they had super strict rules about where she could go, when she could leave. Like, she was only allowed to leave on weekends, and she was supposed to go, like, straight from there to her parents' house and then, like, back. That wasn't what she did, though, because she would also, like, she basically would just, like, use the weekends as, like, an excuse to go see Fred. So, like, they found out about this, like, pretty fast. Like, her 16th birthday, she, like, went to go see him. And they were like, oh, my God, what the fuck? So, she ended up leaving the home for troubled teens. And she ended up moving back in with her parents. So, at this time that she, like, left the house or left the home and then moved in with her parents. Like, Fred was in jail for 30 days because he 
had stolen shit and he had like unpaid fines. Um, so when he was released, she immediately leaves her parents and moves in with him to his new apartment in Chettleham, and he got his kids back again. Somebody put a leash on this dumb bitch and stop giving his kids back. Yeah, this is the third time they've gone to social services and came back already. So Bill Letts, which is her dad, uh, tried one last time to get her to come home, and he like called the police. Um, the police went to like the apartment found out she was pregnant and she ended up being taken away from Fred and like put back into custody in February of 1970. So she was discharged on March 6th of 1970 with strict like under the understanding that she was going to go leave this home, go straight to get an abortion and then go straight to her parents' house. Jesus. Like they were like, you don't get a fucking choice. You're not having this creepy pedophile rapist baby. Like even the the home for troubled teens was like, no, you're not having this creepy rapist baby. Like you are getting an abortion right now. That's not what happened though. <laughs> uh, she of course not immediately went to go live with Fred, and her family was like, we're done with you. Like they were like, we're done. Like they were like, we're banishing you. You're done. You, no, don't come back to us. We don't want you. So June of nineteen seventy. The couple left their apartment. They ended up moving to the ground floor of, like, a two-story house. It was, like, one of those ones that has, like, an upper and lower flat. Mm -hmm. Um, So they moved into the lower flat on Midland Road in Gloucester. So October 17th of 1970, Rosemary gives birth to a daughter who they named Heather Ann. But the the caveat about Heather Mm. Ann is that uh, we don't actually know. If she's Fred's child or if she's her dad's child. Oh. 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 And no one has ever known. Like, no one knows. Like, it's it's unknown. Like, we do not know. Well, that was a plot twist I wasn't ready for. Oh, that comes into play later, too. <laughs> Just you wait. So, November of 1970, Fred is thrown in jail again for stealing car tires where he would stay until June 24th of 1971. So he was in for like six and a half months-ish. Um, so during this time, Rosemary, who was only 17, was left to take care of three young children. And one of them is a straight newborn. So this is where we're going to talk about the kids more. But like to preface this section before we get into it, Anna Marie wrote a book called out of the shadows it's Mm -hmm. super fucking dope like and she details like all of the crazy shit that like happens to them and stuff so like all of these quotes that i'm saying are like straight from someone who was there either from fred himself rosemary herself or anna marie being like this is what happened so all of these stories are like they're real wait who's anna marie again she's the second child okay yeah she's rena and fred's like their only actual child okay so, and I'll, I'll continuously repeat the child order because they have a lot of children and it gets confusing later on, but all of them are pretty important. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll keep repeating. Don't you worry. Okay. So this is, yeah. Y'all should read out of the shadows. It's, it's good shit. Okay. So Anna Marie says during this time period that her and Charmaine were frequently beaten, screamed at, criticized, all of that jazz with Rose. 
basically everyone calls her Rose because that's what she likes. But I keep trying to call her Rosemary because I don't give a fuck what that bitch likes. Fuck her. Rosemary. (laughs) Anyways, so Anna Marie was like a really like sensitive child. So like if she would like get beat, she would like cry. Or you know what I mean? Like if, you know, Rosemary was like coming after her, she would like, you know, scream, cry, all that stuff. Um, which actually ended up being a good thing because most people who are abusive, like they're doing it to get a reaction. Like they want to see fear. Mm-hmm. They want to see you be scared. So like Anna Marie actually like that, like kind of helped. Yeah. Uh, but however, Charmaine was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and she was always like incredibly stoic, incredibly strong. Like Anna Marie said, like she would sit there and watch this girl get screamed in her face, like beat into a pulp and she wouldn't even flinch oof like they said um like a lot of times oh she would keep getting like obviously worse punishment because she wouldn't like respond to it like one time their neighbor tracy giles it was like another kid their age mm-hmm. was like friends with them she said she came over like unannounced one time just like walked in the apartment rosemary had charmaine naked Standing on top of a chair with gagged with her hands bound behind her back. And she was beating her with one of those like heavy wooden spoons. Oh, Jesus. And Tracy said Charmaine looked bored. Uh. (laughs) She was like, yeah, she looked like it was just any day at school. Just super fucking bored. Unconcerned. Just like nothing was happening at all. Um. And they said Charmaine would also tell Rosemary all the time, like, my real mom wouldn't do this. And, like, my real mom's coming back for me. And, like, mm. yeah, a lot of that that kind of stuff. Because, um, like, it was really heartbreaking. Like, Anna Marie was, like, I remember a lot of times, like, after all this stuff would happen, like, Charmaine would, like, take her and they like, would, like, you know, be comforting each other. And Charmaine would be, like, stroking her hair and being, yeah. like you know, our real mom's going to come back for us. Like, you know, this won't last forever. All that jazz. Um, so hospital records show that March 28th of 1971, which is when he was still in prison, uh, Anna or Charmaine was treated for a severe puncture wound in her left ankle. Basically, Rosemary stabbed her Oof. like pretty badly in the ankle. Um, and she was treated at Gloucester Royal Hospital. Um, and obviously they were like, it was an accident. Um, so June 15th of night. Okay. This, this just like kind of awful and I'm sorry. Oh no. It's just sad. Oh it's no. It's not even, it's not gross or anything. It's just, it's just kind of sad. Um, so, okay. June 15th of 1971, Rosemary takes the girls to visit Fred in jail. This was the last time anyone saw Charmaine. Oh no. So Tracy's mother, that little girl I told you about, like the neighbor. Mm-hmm. Her mother, like, the the family was, like, moving. So they're like, oh, like, let's go say goodbye to your friends, like, one last time. So they were told when they showed up to the apartment that Charmaine had gone to live with her mother, like, her real mother. Um, and this was something that Rosemary seemed very excited about. Like, she was, like, hype to tell them this. She was like, oh, yeah, Charmaine's fucking gone. Like, she is long gone. She is out of here. Like, good fucking riddance. This was also told to, like, anyone who asked. um, And even, like, Charmaine's school, when they were like, where is she? She was like, yeah, she went to go live with her mother. But she would, like, 
kind of changed the story. Like, sometimes she said she was, like, in London. Sometimes she said she was in Scotland. Sometimes she said she was in Bristol. So, like, none of the stories really added up. Um, So she's dead. When Fred was released, he told Anna Marie that her sister had been taken by her mother and returned to Scotland. Like I said, story changing again. Mm -hmm. When asked why she didn't take Anna Marie, too, Fred said... She wouldn't want you, love. You're the wrong color. (gasps) So there's that. But in reality, Rosemary had stowed Charmaine's body in the uh, coal cellar of the house on Midland Road until Fred was released from prison. So some point, we don't actually know when, but some point between the 15th and the 24th when he was arrested. Mm -hmm. Probably like they think it actually happened on the 15th. Like maybe Charmaine said something at the jail when they went to visit him or something. And we're not exactly sure how she died, but like, you know, some point that day or like the day after she dies, Rosemary's stuffs her in the coal cellar. Fred gets released. She goes, hey, by the way, um, I killed your like sort of, I mean, it actually wasn't really his daughter because it was the daughter of the bus driver. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, yeah, that, that girl that you've been wanting. Yeah, she's dead. Uh, so Fred buries her naked body in the yard close to the back door he said that he okay so she was cut in half at the hips Mm -hmm. um but he said he didn't like he didn't dismember her so they think like because they did a lot of like work on the house like later on they think that like somehow in the process of the work maybe like the body got like cut into so like it's a little unsure if this is like where the dismemberment thing like if he continued the dismemberment thing or like it's a little uncertain Mm -hmm. um but anyways, uh, so many bones were also missing from her skeleton, which kind of makes the dismemberment thing like he said he didn't, but like he probably did. Right. Because once again, he took trophies. He took her kneecaps, her fingers, and then miscellaneous wrist, ankle, and toe bones. Um, and it's, it's thought. Okay. We'll talk about this more later, no. but like we're pretty sure that like. These were not, because, like, those are all bones that are pretty easy to, like, get lost. Like, a lot of times, like, if bodies are found in random places, like, it's not uncommon for, you know, knee patellas and all the little phalanges and all the little metacarpals and all that jazz. Like, sometimes they go missing. It's, there's, they're small. Um, Same, like, we almost never find the bones of the ear. Right. Yeah, like, they're just small. Um, But we'll get on why this is, doesn't seem like an accident later on. Anyway, so we're back to Rena. No. Yep. Forget all about that for a minute. We're back to Rena. <laughs> That's why I was like, this story's wild. It bounces all over the place. So if you get confused, please yeah. ask. So obviously this whole time, like I said, Rena had kept like back and forth, like content, content, content? contact. Yeah. So like sometimes she was in contact. Sometimes she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so August of 1971, she shows up at Moorcourt Cottage. So like the farm that mm-hmm. his family was at to try and find out about because like he had moved at this point. So she was like, I don't know where the fuck he is. Like, I don't have his number anymore. Like, I don't have anything. So she showed up at his family's house and was like, hey, like and she was like frantic. Mm-hmm. Like they said she was very concerned. Like she showed up like, where the fuck are my kids? Like, where is he? I don't know where he is. And so his sister-in-law, Christine, was like here's his address like absolutely like go get your kids 
So Rena went there to go try and get custody of her daughters. This was like the first time she ever was like, I want actual custody. Mm-hmm. This was also the last time she was seen. Of course it was. We think, but we're not sure. We think she was strangled in the back seat of his Ford Popular, but we're not 100% sure. We're also pretty sure she was intoxicated at the time of her death, but also not 100% sure like exactly how intoxicated she was or like what exactly. Like, no one knows what happened that night. Mm-hmm. Um, they also found her with a length of metal tubing and marks on her body that were like pretty indicative of her being like restrained and sexually assaulted before she died. Um, Her body was extensively dismembered and placed in plastic bags, which were buried near near a famous cluster of trees known as the U tree coppice at letterbox field, which is not important, but I looked them up and they're kind of pretty, honestly. (laughs) So, you know, go for it. So, you know, that was the, the last time she was seen. So, January 29th of 1972, uh, Rosemary and Fred get married. Because, coincidentally, look at that. He's no longer married. Convenient. Crazy. Um, And no no one came to their wedding. (laughs) Good. Just the two of them. But this little fucking lying bitch, on his... Literally, even on his marriage certificate, he put that he had been single. Like, he put that he was a bachelor, that he'd never been married, that he was single. Which, I mean, this was the 70s, so it was, like, way easier to get away with shit like that. Because, um, also, they got married in Scotland, and these people are getting married in England. Right. So, like, different country. Um, so, yeah, he said he was like, oh, nope, never been married. First time getting married. Totally didn't kill my wife and cut her into lots of pieces. I don't know why he sounds like that, but that's what he <laughs> sounds like. So, a few months later, surprise, surprise, Rosemary is pregnant again. And this is when they move, I want to call it the fuck house. (laughs) I was going to call it the fuckery house, but honestly, the fuck house is way more appropriate. Uh, And the fuck house is 25 Cromwell Street. Okay. So, originally, it's like a three-story house. Like, this was like a big house. Um, so they originally rented it, but they ended up like buying it for 7,000 pounds, uh, which was a lot of money back then, obviously. Um, so to be able to like afford this, what they had done is they turned like the two upper levels, like into like apartments sort of like where you would like rent out a room. And then they even installed like, they installed like sinks, you know, bathrooms, like a stove, like stuff up there. So like those lodgers could kind of just do their own thing and then they could have the first floor like to themselves. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, June 1st, Rosemary gives birth to a second daughter. And you know what they named this bitch? Tell me. She's born on June 1st. Remember that. Okay. They named her May June. I quit. What in the fucking caucasity is that shit? (gasps) What in the fucking caucasity? I need you to stop, sir. (laughs) I'll take shit, people ship white White people too for 500 (laughs) literally okay so this is where shit goes downhill real fast we haven't already been downhill oh we were coasting no peacefully but this bunny hill has turned into a black diamond and you are not ready (laughs) oh no so right after giving birth to may rosemary 
begins to work as a prostitute oh, out good. of an upper room at their house, even advertising her services in a local magazine. Ew. Fred was supportive, and he, d- he encouraged her to seek clients in the West Indian community in the area. Which, like, not only are you gross, you're racist, too. Thanks. Um, so, hmm. Fred would frequently watch through peepholes as she would uh, do this. And so, like, okay, this was, like, uh, let me lay the scene for the fuck house here. No. So, like, with three stories, you know, whatever. There's a, there's a back door that has a special, a special doorbell. And that special doorbell has a special ring. And when that special ring happens, she knows she has a client. So she takes them up to what she calls Rose's room, mm. to which she has the only key that she wears on her neck. In this room, there's, you know, a bed, a private bar, whole little, you know, prostitute area. And there was even like a special light, like a little red light. And if she had a client, she would like flip that light on and the kids and everybody knew like, don't fuck with her. Um... On top of that, it was filled with, like, peepholes where Fred could watch from, like, different angles, get whatever, you know, get his rocks off however he wanted, and, like, baby monitors so he could, like, be hearing, like, what's happening as well. So that's great. You're saying a lot of words, and I really wish you would not say any of the words that you have said. Well, you're going to love this next sentence, Mm. Rosemary around this time period, Mm -mm. also actively encouraged Fred to abuse Anne-Marie sexually, starting when she was just eight. And she would also sexually assault her on her own as well. No. The first encounter happened in September of 1972 when she led Anna-Marie down to the cellar, stripped off her clothes when she wouldn't undress herself, tied her to a mattress and gagged her, and then forced Fred to rape her. I mean, Fred wasn't really that resistant, but she it was like all Rosemary's idea. This is giving me real uh, David Parker Ray and Cindy Hindi vibes. After this, Anna Marie was told by Rosemary, everybody does it to every girl. It's a father's job. Don't worry and don't say anything to anyone. No. It's not. Absolutely not. Update. That's the fuck. That's a fucking. No. (laughs) Morgan just took a fucking shot. That's where we're at right now. Oh, God. And they basically let her know, like, bitches and murders. They were like, yeah, this is the start. Like, this is this is going to keep happening and it's not going to stop happening. Mm. And if you tell anybody, we're going to kill you. So, like I said, Rosemary would participate not say the words that you're saying say literally any other words she would also tie anna to random pieces of furniture around the house and force fred to come rape her or she would force her to do her chores wearing scandalous clothing or like sex toys she's eight she also by the time anna marie hit 13 she forced her to start prostituting herself in rose's room what the while Rose would watch because she didn't want Anna Marie to tell the men how young she was so she'd sit there and watch it happen to make sure Anna Marie didn't say anything oh boy and it just keeps getting worse with every fucking sentence yeah guess who Rosemary's most frequent customer was 
Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know. <laughs> her dad. <laughs> Who also would have sex with Anna Marie. And this happened for <laughs> years. Her dad would pay her to have sex for mm. years and years and years. Rosemary would end up having eight children. But only four or five of those were Fred's. And all the rest were either her dad or like her clients. <laughs> if Okay. I'm not hating on sex workers because y'all y'all yeah, do you. I have no problem with prostitution. That's not the issue here. It, not the issue. But if you're going to be a sex worker, <coughs> fucking protect yourself so you don't have a ton of fucking little crotch goblins running around. That you don't even know who like their dad is. Right. Or like anything. That's the fucking worst game of Russian roulette that I've ever seen. So on top of this... Rosemary would also have casual sex with men and women at the house with Fred's consent. He, like, fully was aware of all of this. And he also would, like, sometimes participate. Like, they would have, like, threesomes, like, frequently. But a lot of times, like, she would also have casual sex and he would just watch. I hate everything about it. She often bragged that no man or woman could ever satisfy her. Bish, that's not something to brag about. During sex with women, she would gradually, like, as the sex progressed, she would get more and more aggressive, and she would end up, like, suffocating them, or, like, one of her favorite things to do was insert increasingly large, like, sex Mm. toys into the person until they started, like, crying, not wanting to be there, wanting to leave, and then she would go, aren't you woman enough to take it? Oh, boy. Nope. You just said a lot of words that I'd... Nope. Rosemary and Fred would, like, freely, freely admit that they liked, you know, pain, dominance, violence. But they also would freely admit that they got off from pushing people way past their sexual boundaries. Mm. Like, your sexual boundary was C, and they want to push you to Z. And that's what they get off on. Here's another PSA of Sierra. BDSM is fine. What's not fine is not respecting the person's boundaries. Be into BDSM all you want. Do your kinky shit. You do you. Do it with people who want to do your kinky shit. Do it with consent. (laughs) If somebody drops a safe word, you respect that fucking safe word. If they decide, yeah, let's do it, and then they start doing it and decide to say no, you fucking let them say no. Okay? Also, Keep it kinky, but not that kinky. Also, side note, I don't want to hear a single word that we have sworn too much in this episode because I'm sorry if you can talk about the things that I have talked about and the things that I am going to talk about without swearing, you're the one with the fucking problem, not me. I don't me. even know how many times I've sworn. I know I've sworn so many. I literally named their house the fuck house. But it's appropriate. So, you know, if that is your problem, you you shouldn't be here. We are literally called bitches and murders. We have a swear word in our title. I don't want to hear it. I digress. Together, they also collected a big collection of bondage stuff, restraints, porn, like all that kind of stuff. They had videos of bestiality and child abuse. Sorry, I'm a little stiffly. Um, so 
this actually kind of genuinely surprised me, but I guess it shouldn't because she's such a fucking, like, control freak. Um, but Rosemary controlled, like, the family's finances, like, completely. Like, she held up her strings. When Fred would get paid, he would give her all of the money, and she controlled, like, all of it. Which actually seemed to work pretty well for them. Um, whatever, like I said, she had all that. She I, was making also, like, a lot of money through prostitution. Like, she was very successful. My nose is, like, still bleeding, and oh, I can, like, fine. taste it. It's gross. Ew. Um... Yeah, I'm not sniffly. My face is just full of blood. (laughs) The things I do for you guys. That might be mildly concerned, seeing as I have a possible brain bleed, but it's... No, that's actually, like, probably not related. Uh, She gets blood... Blood noses? (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I frequently get blood noses. You know, not bloody noses. Those those are different. These are just... I was trying to say nosebleeds, and then it just came out as blood noses. You know. She gets these a lot, but she doesn't like dealing with it. So she'll just like tilt her head back a little bit. So it'll just go down her throat. And then she'll complain about how she can taste blood. It's fine. I'm so used to this. It's fine. It's just going to my stomach. I'm just digested. It's fine. <laughs> you get blood pudding and stuff. Blood's not going to hurt you. <laughs> Self-cannibalism, you know. It's fine. Anyways, 1977. Uh, her dad finally like started to warm up to Fred around this time period. Um, and Fred and Bill ended up actually opening a restaurant together that they named the Green Lantern. Hate it. I'm so Ryan sorry, Reynolds Ronald. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> um, but this fell apart like almost immediately. Um, and when that fell apart is when like Bill found out about the prostitution thing and started fucking his daughter. Um. Sorry, Anyways. that was a little too realistic. I'm real sorry about that, guys. Yeah, and then also, a side note, like I said, she had, by 1983, she had given birth to eight children. Um, and the children were told that their skin was darker because, like I said, he he pushed her towards the West Indian community. So, like, a lot of these kids were, like, mixed. Um, he told them that their skin was darker because his great-grandmother was a black woman, which, first of all, was already a lie. <laughs> his great-grandmother was very white. Um but also, I'm sorry. That's, that's not, not how, how genetics work. <laughs> that's not how anything works, fam. But anyways, um, this section is just oh, called "These Poor yeah. Fucking Kids." Yeah, so, okay. oh, it it just goes downhill from here. These kids have had a walk in a park in a walk in the park oh, compared no. to what's coming. Oh no. So e- when each kid in the household would hit seven years old, that's like when they had to start like doing chores and stuff, uh-huh. which is like, like that's normal chores, chores or like sex chores, like chores, chores, just uh, like regular chores. You know, I did. You know, it's a valid question. Honestly, <laughs> I hate that it's a valid question, but it's a valid question. Um, so during like this, like they weren't allowed to socialize or talk to anyone if Fred and Rosemary weren't there. Like they're just not allowed. Yeah. They also had like obviously super strict rules, lots of guidelines and stuff. And if they violated them at all, like they'd be severely punished. Um, but usually this violence was from Rosemary and it was described by Anna Marie as unpredictable and savage, <laughs> which is terrifying. Oh dear. Um, she made sure that their hands and their faces were never marked. Um, but that did not stop them from getting beaten. Like in, 
some point, Heather and her brother, her younger brother, Steven, like, ran away. And, like, when they came home, like, they got the shit beat out of them. Like, it was just, like, a regular thing. Yeah. Between 1972 and 1992, the West children were admitted to the emergency room 31 times. Are you kidding me? All of them marked as accidents and not a single one was ever reported. Examples. Unacceptable. One time, Stephen was... Okay, so it goes... Because this is going to be important later. It goes, Charmaine, mm-hmm. Anna Marie, mm-hmm. Heather, mm-hmm. May June, Stephen. And then after Stephen is Louise, the, the later kids aren't quite as important because they, they didn't really like, they were too young by the time they got arrested to like really have had a lot of the abuse. Uh-huh. So anyways. Okay. So Stephen, the f- fifth sixth fifth i don't know whatever math is hard yeah fifth yeah i was like i can do complicated math but basic math (laughs) so he was mopping the kitchen and like rose comes in runs into like the bowl of water that he had Mm -hmm. she runs into it spills it on herself and then she picks up the bowl breaks it over steven's head when he falls down, she starts kicking him in the head and chest over and over again, telling him how it was all his fault and he did it on purpose. What? Another time, Rosemary was cooking, couldn't find the spoon that she misplaced. Freely admitted the spoon that she misplaced. You know her solution to that? May just happened to be in the room and she held her down and cut her all over her torso with like a big butcher knife what the fuck oh this part's my i do like this story this story genuinely gives me a little bit of joy so uh fred was not immune to this violence either there was one part where uh they were arguing i don't know what they were arguing about but she picks up a big butcher knife and starts chasing him around the house with it and he literally like She's, like, chasing him. He, like, darts into a room and, like, literally, like, slams the door in her face, like, right as she's about to stab him. She embedded this butcher knife so deeply in the door with so much force that she severed three of her fingers. Oh, my God. Which then she wrapped in a towel, which, like, okay, I fucking hate this bitch, but, like, this is low-key me as fuck. So she wraps her, her hand in a towel. And very calmly was like, Fred, look what you did. Now you have to drive me to the hospital. And you know what he did? He left the room and immediately drove her to the hospital. Literally you. (laughs) Just like, I would like to. Okay. So she made a thing about the brain bleed earlier, right? This bitch (laughs) got her nails done, then went to urgent care. And urgent care told her to go to the emergency room. She went to McDonald's and then came home. My I roommate, was ladies hungry. and gentlemen. Also, I have a doctor's appointment in a few days. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Her brain's probably on fire, but it's fine. I don't need it. Literally, okay. I had to, I have to say this because I thought it was funny, and it's just like what you're talking about. I told uh, I told my friend Ben about that, mm-hmm. about like you know the everything that's been happening today, and he was like, oh, like are you, 
you know, like, are you, oh my God, like, are you okay? Like all the stuff. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's happened before. And he was like, wait, <gasps> what? And I was like, oh yeah, like this, this happened like back when I was in, in like high school. Like they were like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Like we think you had a brain bleed, all this stuff, like a minor one, but like, you know, still, still there. Um, and he was just like, I think that makes it worse. And I was like, no, no, no. Don't make sense here. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I think the best part is that I'm so used to it that, like, I don't have that reaction anymore. Like, you say shit like this, and I'm like, oh, cool. You brought nuggets. That's <laughs> awesome. I did bring nuggets. So, like, you know. <laughs> all of your other friends are like, oh, my God, are you okay? Like, do you need somebody to drive you to the hospital? And I was like, cool. You brought home nuggets. Because <laughs> you know if I need a doctor, I'll go to a doctor. I'm used to you by now. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, so uh, I just titled this Precursor to Murder, Sexual Assault. The fuck do you mean precursor to murder? We've already murdered like three people. Those weren't important murders. Those were just like oh my convenience. We're, we haven't got to the serial <gasps> murders. Oh my God. Those were just like, we need to do those to solve problems. Those don't count. I've never hated you as much as I do right now. So here's another character <laughs> in this very long play with lots of fucking characters. Mm-hmm. Carolyn Owens. Mm-hmm. Don't flick that at me. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> this is all bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't hate me. <laughs> uh, so October of 1972. Mm-hmm. The West hires 17-year-old Carolyn Owens to be their nanny. So, they met Carolyn. They were driving down the road, and they saw her hitchhiking. And she was hitchhiking from Tewksbury to Cinderford. So, she was like, she lived, I believe, in Cinderford, and her boyfriend lived in Tewksbury. So, she was, like, going to visit him. And she would, like, hitchhike this frequently. Like, that's important later. This was, like, a frequent thing she would do. What a bad life choice holy shit but okay it it's was amazing the 70s she didn't get murdered before now seriously um so when they picked her up they found out pretty fast that like she didn't like her stepfather and she was like looking for a job so she could get out of the house so they offered her like to be a live-in nanny and they were like yeah like we'll drive you home every tuesday so you can see your family like you know like it'll be really good so she moved in like just a couple days later and she moved into a room with anna marie and she said that Anna Marie was, like, super quiet, like, super withdrawn. Like, she was kind of like, oh, this girl's, like, really introverted. No, she's just seen shit. And then when she asked about, like, the whole Rose's room thing, they were like, oh, she's Rose's a masseuse. Like, you know, those men, they're just getting massages on their penis. They left that part out. But, you know, they were like, yeah, they're just getting massages. I mean... Not technically a lie. Uh, so Fred also told her, you know, first impressions are important, that he was a skilled abortion doctor. He was not. And that he was available if she ever needed his services. She said he also talked about, like, sex constantly. It was really unsettling, really creepy. What? Do you want to know No. what this man told her? Absolutely not. About his abortion services? No. He told her 
I said no. That women. I don't know why I'm saying this. We're so full of joy. His words. So full of joy that he had given them abortions that after the abortions, they would have sex with him. I want to go home. You are home. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When the West, like, obviously they were like hitting on her. Like they went from just being creepy and talking about sex to like straight up hitting on her. And she was like, I'm done. Like this didn't take long at all. I'd like to go to my room. <laughs> no, you may not go to your room. <laughs> but we're getting we're 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 getting close. Liar. We're getting close to when we're gonna stop. So December sixth of nineteen seventy two, which is weirdly my dad's birthday. Hate it. Um, <laughs> gross. Oh no. Um. So she was hitchhiking. Okay. So like I said, like she would hitchhike frequently. So she was like hitchhiking home. <laughs> you good? No. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, this is on your dad's birthday because your dad's a trash bag. And some trash baggery shit happens. That's for damn <laughs> That's fucking why sure. I'm so, okay. So, like I said, she she would hitchhike this frequently, and they knew that. <laughs> So they, uh, she's hitchhiking. Who's fucking surprised? So they pull up in their little car and they're like, hey, we're so sorry. We think we got off on the wrong foot. Like, let us drive you home. Like, we're really, really sorry. So she was like, because like I said, she wasn't there for long at all. So she was like, okay, you know, maybe I overreacted. Maybe they're just a little weird. Like, maybe I just like was too impulsive, whatever. No. She gets in the car, gets in the back seat. Rosemary gets out of the car and gets in the back seat with her, saying she wants to have a little girl's chat. Mm, no. Pretty soon into the drive, she starts to like grope her. No. Yeah. Um, so as Rosemary is like groping her, Fred is like, So you were just with your boyfriend? Did did you guys have sex? Like what what kind of sex did you guys have? Blah blah creepy dumb shit. Gross. Hate it. So obviously Carolyn was like let me out of this fucking car, you fucking creepy rapist. Um, so Fred pulls over, which is sad because he pulls over and she probably thought she was going to get out of the car. Instead, he punches her until she's unconscious and they bound and gag her and drive her back to 25 Cromwell Street. Once they get to Cromwell Street, like she's starting to like wake up. So they... Like, undo her gag, feed her drugged tea, and she, like, passes out again. They, like, re-gag her. She, like, wakes up in a bedroom, and they're, like, obviously trying to sexually assault her. At first, she tries to fight back, and, like, as she fights back, like, it just gets worse and worse. Like, that just, like, spurred them on. Like, Fred started whipping her in, like, the genitals with, like, a fucking belt, like, the belt buckle and shit, which, ow. Uh, So, like, immediately she was like, okay, not fighting back. Like, that was the wrong idea. That's not going to pay off here. So, she stops fighting back. You know, whatever it ends. Um, And, like, the next morning, this was, like, obviously, like, late. So, like, the next morning, one of the kids, like, knocked on the door that they were, like, keeping her in. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, they were like, don't say anything. Don't scream. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. And then they straight up ask her. If she'll still be their nanny. Mm. 
This is after whipping her with a belt, sexually assaulting her, kidnapping her. Try Ro- at one point, Rosemary like almost like smothered her to death with a pillow, and stuff like. So they ask her if she'll still be their nanny, and she's not a stupid fuck. She Carolyn is smart. She doesn't always make good decisions, but she was only seventeen. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she's not completely dumb. Like she, she's smart. So she was like, absolutely, I'll totally be your nanny. Like, let me... And she starts, like, vacuuming, like, taking care of the house. And Rosemary's like, oh, absolutely. Like, let's go get the laundry. So they go to a laundromat. And Carolyn dips. (laughs) She's like, fuck, no. I am out. Audi 5000. (laughs) She gets home. Her mom is instantly... Can clearly tell she's traumatized. Yeah. You know, at first she's like, nothing happened. And her mom's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, something happened, clearly. And, like, Carolyn tells her the whole story. They, like, you know, kind of undresses. You know, her mom sees all of her, like, bruises and cuts and stuff. And she was like, obviously, you're telling the truth. So they go straight to the police. Um, and so the, re- the West were arrested and charged with assault, indecent assault, actually bottle- actual bodily harm, which is already just hard to say, mm-hmm. and rape, obviously. Um, so the case was tried by the Gloucester Magi- Magistrates Court on January 12th of 1973. <sighs> and this, like, I get it, but this shit is, like, one of my biggest, like, moments of frustration in any case that exists. Okay. She, like, couldn't face them in court, basically. So she refused to testify. And because she refused to testify... Like, they didn't have a solid of a case. Like, she was the only witness. She was the only person there. Um, So, she dropped the charges. And the West pled guilty to indecent assault and actual bodily harm. which For which they were fined 50 pounds. Which is, like, mm, 60 bucks nowadays. Yeah, that's not that much. And allowed to walk free. And it was really sad. But when Carolyn heard about this, she tried to commit suicide. But for all I know, after this, she led, like, a totally happy and healthy life. I'm sure she, like, suffered from, you know, some things. But, like, she she's okay. She's good. She's out there somewhere in the world, maybe. I didn't look Hopefully. her up. I was like, give her her privacy. She's been through enough. Right. No kidding. So, Fred later admitted that this abduction was simply to see if Rosemary would participate and that he had fully planned on killing Carolyn. Like, he wanted to kill her. It was just like a, you know, that, like, she was smart enough that she got out of it. So, yeah. No. We're gonna, we're gonna stop with Carolyn. We're gonna stop right before we get to the first serial murder, which is literally like two weeks after this happens. Because, you know. Can't think of a better place to stop than on the biggest cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (sighs) Honestly, I, like, don't even have a keep it spooky because, like... I don't even know where to begin with the stay spooky. I can't pinpoint. (laughs) I cannot pinpoint a thing you should not do because uh, everything Uh, I just said in the last hour and a half are things you should not do. (laughs) Stay spooky but not so spooky that you pay your daughter to have sex with you stay spooky 
But not so spooky, you have to take shots mid-podcast to make <laughs> it through the absolute fuckery. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, honestly, like, so, I had seen, like, a list, like, back when we started this podcast, like, back in, like, May, I had, like, a whole, you know, I was, like, looking through, you know, like, top ten killers and this and that, like, just making a list of people, like, I might want to look at mm-hmm. in the future, and so, like, I finally ran out of all the ones that I had done before. So, I was, like, finally, it's, like, time to look up, like, you know, a new person or whatever. So, like, I, you know, I opened my list and I was, like, I don't remember fucking shit about, like, any of these people. So, I literally just picked a random one. I was, like, oh, a couple. Like, we've never done a couple. Like, that'll be fun. Um, You know, I was not, I was not ready. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm always ready. ready. <laughs> I am always yeah ready (laughs) and i was not i remember texting my friend cc this whole time and i was just like what is happening i think it's gonna get better and then it just gets worse every time every time i think it can't get worse it does there's another sentence (laughs) there's a there's another (laughs) sentence (laughs) and every time i'm like they've done everything this is it. This is the peak. Nothing can be worse than this thing. I'm always wrong. <laughs> and I don't like it because most of it's not even the murders is the, is the it's worst just the part. It's the crazy shit in between. That's the worst part. It's not even the murders. <gasps> like the murders aren't even the problem. The, I mean, the they murders, are a problem. The murders so far have been so bland. Like, okay, like you strangled somebody and you dismembered them. Cool. Whatever. We've heard that story before. It's the shit in between that's making me like real uncomfortable. I mean, the murders do get worse. I'm I'm not going to lie. The, the murders do get worse, but like the murders are such a small part of this for me. Like murders Fair. suck, but I don't even care about I the murders. <laughs> like I that talked much. about somebody that fucking made her victims into tea cakes and soap. Yeah, I'm I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I just just as I like, I don't even have words for how yeah. much I just I can't I cannot I white girl cannot with this couple. Just stay spooky, but just not this fucking spooky. Just don't be this spooky. Don't even be one percent of this. If you do a single thing that either of these people have ever done in their entire lives, I'm disowning you. If you have done one as fans one action on this very long list you are done for you're just you're canceled you are absolutely canceled because none of this needed to happen all of this is bad and you know what it only gets worse from here (laughs) so uh, i want to end this episode on two different high notes one of those is a brumps uh, you reminded me because I said it's canceled. Um, okay. As you guys know, I am an ER vet tech. <laughs> I have seen way too many marijuana toxicities recently. And if any of y'all keep it so spooky that your dog gets into your weed, I'm canceling you and I'm canceling marijuana because I'm so done with weed toxicities. Done. Dunzos. No mas. Also, the other, so that was the like, but um, high note. 
the other high note was uh we got a review recently from larissa savage which fucking bomb name by that's the way that's the coolest fuck <laughs> you have the best name i've ever heard i'm so jealous <laughs> But she said, I love listening to this podcast. Sierra and Morgan are funny and great to listen to while still being respectful to the information that is being shared. So thank you, Larissa Savage. We love you so much. Yes, we do. And 80% of that is because you have the best name I've ever read. Ever. And then the other, I almost said the other 80%. 80% she of it's because you have a cool math. name. And the other 80%. <laughs> Is because you're just a cool we human. We love you 160%. So take that, Larissa. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those 100% people. They don't mean shit. We love you 160%. And that's a goddamn promise. <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> for this whole episode. Uh, I feel like I should have put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. But they should know by now that if it's me... The whole episode is a trigger warning. <laughs> Accurate. The minute you hear me say, what's up, bitches, first, <laughs> you know you're done for. Because if y'all haven't caught that yet, usually, like, if I'm going to say that episode, I, I say first. If she's going to do the episode, she says her name first. That's how we do our things. Yeah. If you hear, what's up, bitches, it's Morgan as the first thing, run. Run. <laughs> run away. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to ruin your day. <laughs> run. Oh, keep it spooky. 